0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Rob Prospect Podcast. We are back for part two of part two in our NFL preview series going through our top 20 teams in the NFL. If you're you're new to this series, we already uploaded part one and part one of part two. Um, And the format goes like this. We go through our 2022 summary where we go through team record, record at home, point differential, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Then we go through our top 3 favorite additions in the offseason for said team, then their top 3 most important players, then that leads into our over under Vegas win productions. We make a pick, we make a prediction um based on their 2023 outlook overall. But before we get into all that, leave a like on the video, subscribe to the channel if you have not already, uh, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple, Spotify, wherever you may be listening, um, and we'll just get right into it. Joining me from Houston, Texas, the Stat King himself, Mr. Michael Wien. how are you doing?
1: Good, we just recorded part One of part two of part two of this series. But, hey, you're getting your football fix. If you want your football fix, we're giving it to you. So don't complain. Uh, You have plenty of content to listen to. Leave a like and subscribe. We have more of this coming for you guys in the next couple weeks as we count down all the way to our numbers. I guess it would be four through one, which will be our last episode near the end of August along with college football content, MLB content, and so forth. Um, so with all that being said, I'll hand it to Emmy to reveal our number 14 team in our power rankings and do their season recap. That would be the Cleveland Browns.
0: Yep. And uh, for Cleveland last year, it was – describe it as a lost season, I'd say. Um, the first 11 games – we're with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback um, and not their however million dollar man, Mr. Deshaun Watson. Um, they finished seven and ten on the season, four and four at home, three and five on the road, um, three and three within their division, pretty solid, as we mentioned with the Steelers, pretty solid in the AFC North. That's a really tough division. Um, and all in all, Jacoby Brissett did a really, really good job. You have to give a shout out to him. Um, when talking about the 2022 Cleveland Browns. Um, their point differential finished at minus 20 on the season. So pretty much middle of the pack. Not good, not terrible, though. Um, their record in one-score games, that's where they're going to look to improve coming this, this season. They went 2-6 and six last year um, with Deshaun Watson and with some of these additions we're going to get into. That's where they're going to look to improve. Um, and then the record in... Uh, games decided by a field goal or less, they went two and four.
1: Yeah, and some other significant wins at the Carolina Panthers in week one, 26 to 24, uh, they beat down on the Bengals, 32 to 13 in week eight. That was a significant win. They also had a significant win uh, week three against the Steelers, but also against the Baltimore Ravens in week 15, 13 to three. That point differential it sort of goes back to what we were saying about the Steelers in part one of part two um, in that they had a couple stinkers littered throughout their schedule, which kind of skews that point differential. They lost uh, in week uh, six, 38 to 15 to the Patriots for whatever reason. I don't remember that exact game, but. They had that bad loss, and they also lost 39-17 to at Miami. Uh, So they had some decent-sized losses, but they also had some really good wins. So with all that being said, uh, now we will transition into our three favorite and or best acquisitions uh, that the Browns made in the offseason. I'll start us off by number three was outside linebacker Zadarius Smith who they acquired via trade uh, with the Minnesota Vikings for, I think, a couple of day three picks. really like this ad. Uh, The Jadavion Clowney thing, in some respects, just didn't work out all the way. Um, He wasn't necessarily available all the time. Uh, While he was solid in the running game, he just didn't always compliment Miles Garrett to the extent that I think the Browns were hoping for. And they go out and get a proven, like year after year, highly productive player at the pass rushing spot to pair with Miles Garrett. He led the Vikings in pressures and quarterback hits last year, finished with 10 sacks. And now Cleveland, when you look at this pass rush, they have two of the five players in the National Football League who have finished with 10 or more sacks in at least three of the past four seasons. That would be Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith. I think it'll I think Miles Garrett will elevate Zadarius Smith at his at this stage in his career, but I also think Zadarius Smith will help Miles Garrett. They will help each other. And I think this was one of their better ads. Low risk, high reward, in my opinion, for the Cleveland Browns.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um for my number three, I went with Dalvin Tomlinson, interior defensive lineman, who they also uh, plucked from the Minnesota Vikings um, when talking about the 2022 Cleveland Browns a lot of it is a lot of the focus is on Jacoby Brissett um, but really a lot of their problems was in run defense they got ran all over last year and that interior defensive line um, if you're a long-time listener of this podcast I I called them out for it just like Straight from the jump, like that interior defensive line last year was terrible. I'm gonna keep it a buck, um, and they credit to them. They look to improve it, and I think Dalvin Tomlinson is a great addition. You, you throw him in at three technique, at he can play a little bit of nose. I wouldn't, I don't love him at nose, uh, but you got to have quality depth uh, is the point. And I think um, at the very least, he's that. He's a quality starter who can throw in in a multitude of different roles throughout that interior defensive line.
1: Yeah. He's on my list as well at number two, for whatever reason, it seems like in all these teams, we have the same number two over and over and over again. It's just weird. Oh, but uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, four years, 57 million was one of the bigger free agent signings that the Browns made this off season, And it comes at a premium at a position of real need 325 pounds he made 42 tackles in 13 games with the Vikings last year. Man, the Browns, they really uh, dug deep for those Vikings' riches this offseason. Uh, he strengthens the interior of their defensive line, uh, significantly helps that porous run defense, and porous, I think, would be being kind. Uh, Ten quarterback hits, he was effective in pass rush, had two and a half sacks. But that's not the reason I think the Browns went out and got this guy. They went out because he will plug up the middle and help the run defense significantly. Good player. Um, so, yeah, I have uh, Dalvin Tomlinson there. And then I guess I'll just go ahead and get into my number one. It was uh, Elijah Moore, who, like uh, Zedarius Smith, they also acquired via trade before the draft. Um He's just going to add some much needed versatility and speed to this wide receiver room. They have some established weapons. They're with Amari Cooper, who they acquired, I believe it was last off season. And then Donovan Peoples Jones, who's turned into a really solid NFL wide receiver, uh, but they needed some more speed and versatility. I think Elijah Moore can play the slot. I think it was a really smart trade by the Browns front office to go out and get a third guy. And you can't forget about the fact that they had David Njoku returning as well. So uh, I really like the addition of Elijah Moore to the offense.
0: Yeah, I think um, you go through some of the reports out of Cleveland Browns camp um, and Elijah Moore has reportedly just been absolutely killing it in camp. Just um, he's showing high end traits um, is what. The word is out of that camp so i mean if, if those reports are true man i mean they're they're looking at a really good group of weapons and all that i mean elijah moore was my number two guy um on my list as well uh so we we had the same guys just in different order i had elijah moore then Cedarius smith i mean elijah moore out of the draft everybody loved the fit in new york it just didn't quite click, um, for whatever reason. And I don't think it was, um, I don't think it was Elijah Moore's fault. I don't think it was the Jets fault. I think it just, I think it just didn't work. Um, I think new lease on life in Cleveland, new start, um, a little bit of a refresher has been in the league a couple of years now knows, um, what he has to do. And I think you'll find, a much more successful Elijah Moore this season. Um, And then my number one spot, I did Z'Darrius Smith. Um, Really at number one for me, just because that pass rusher opposite of Miles Garrett is just oh so important for this Cleveland Browns team. And they haven't been able to find the right guy um, quite yet, but I think Zadarius Smith could be that. Um, and if he stays healthy, he's not only going to provide quality pass rush, but also he's a really good run defender as well. He sets the edge well. He's very disciplined, um, and that's going to be a a big plus for this defense.
1: Absolutely. So with that, we can um, move on to our three most important players for the Cleveland Browns in 2023 before we finish up with our outlook and over-under win total prediction. Um, I guess it's sort of in order, but not – I mean, you can switch these guys around. For me at number three, I put Nick Chubb. Um, He's one of the more important players on this team. Consistently great. Every year of his career so far has averaged at least five yards per carry in running the football. He's durable. He's only missed six games. Now, knock on wood, um, but very durable at the running back position. Uh, And I think he's in for another big year. Keep in mind, the Browns did not re-sign Kareem Hunt nor Dearness Johnson uh, from their running back depth chart. I'm not sure. I haven't been in tune with who else they added at the running back position. But no more splitting carries, man. It's Nick Chubb's backfield. Um, and I think he needs to stay healthy if they really want to achieve the heights that they want to achieve.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, my number three, I had Denzel Ward. Um, to me, he is one of the most underrated players in the NFL in general, not just at the cornerback spot. And you look at what he's asked to do on a game to game basis. He's shadowing the best wide receiver on every single team that the Browns play. Um, they run a lot of cover four stuff, but regardless Denzel Ward is there shadowing the opposing team's best guy. Um, and when you're running a lot of quarter quarter half Fangio style defense, when you have a great corner, it allows you to have the quarter side be to the strength and have Denzel more on a Island. Um and, that really gives you more flexibility and that allows you to do a lot of different things as a defense. Um, and you look at their past defense last year, they were top 10 in the NFL in most past defensive metrics. Um, and if that's going to continue into this year, it's going a lot of it is going to be on Denzel Ward's shoulders.
1: Yeah. I thought about putting, One or two of those guys from this Cleveland secondary in here, but I went in a different direction. Um, For me, my number two is going to be Miles Garrett. Uh, Look, Garrett, you go back and forth about where you want to rank edge rushers in today's NFL. I think it could be a good segment. Um, You know, there's TJ Watt, there's Nick Bosa, there's Micah Parsons, there's TJ or um, uh, Miles Garrett, of course. There's some other guys mixed in there. Uh, But I think he's poised for his biggest season yet. Um, Improved talent around him. Dalvin Tomlinson on the interior with the guy they drafted out of Baylor, who I think will add another uh, guy there as well. Zedarius Smith, uh, their addition that we talked about earlier. When you look at the Browns pass rush last year, it was Miles Garrett and then not a whole lot of production elsewhere. It was – I mean, Garrett contributed 16 of their 34 sacks last year. That's a number they need to improve on this year. I think they will. I think Garrett will be a big part of that. He needs to stay on the field because when he does not play, the Browns are 3-11. Um, so he's obviously a really important figure to this team, one of the best players on this team, period, if not the best.
0: Um, so that's my number two. Yeah, two, I had the exact same Miles um, Garrett, man. I, I think, I mean, coming out of Texas a and I mean, we knew this guy was a stud. We knew this guy was a freak, but um, I don't know if I foresaw the the dominance that he would have as an NFL player. Um, he's really just grown to be just extremely polished and just, he matches speed and power so well and there's no one move that you can scout on miles garrett he's just got so many in his bag and to me that's really the trait that you see so often in past rushers nowadays that you didn't really see before really like you go into late 2010s late 2000s you have guys like dwight freeney who I mean, you know Dwight Freeney is going to come with that spin move. Like, that's his move. Um, And he's going to do everything that he does off of that spin move. But guys today, I feel like they've got just such a deep bag of moves.
1: Yeah, and real quickly, my number one, Deshaun Watson. Um, We've sort of already addressed it a little bit in our quarterback bracket episodes that you guys need to check out will be coming with the finale that goes through the final here pretty soon in the near future. Um, But I think this Cleveland team goes from fringe playoff potentially type team to can make some noise in the AFC playoff picture if Deshaun Watson can get back to or near what he was just a little over two years ago with the Texans and that is an elite top six quarterback in the national football league. Now I may have lost a step or two, but if he gets anywhere near that man, Cleveland could really make some noise and he is going to be the most important part in determining what, where this Cleveland Brown season goes. No question about it.
0: Oh, definitely. Um, I went with Deshaun Watson at one as well. Um, it's really hard to say what he'll be in twenty twenty-three. Um, if the guy from twenty twenty shows up, the guy who played for the Houston Texans three years ago, I mean, that's a that's a top four quarterback. Um, and that's possibly the best quarterback in the division. I mean, it's really him, Joe Burrow, I mean, potato potato. You take your pick. Um, but I mean, he's got the ability. He he there's no question about that. It's just whether or not it's still in there. Um, my guess would be yes, sort of. I think he'll get back to top 10 level quarterback play, maybe top seven level quarterback play, but I don't know if he'll get back to top four quarterback play and among those big three guys, Burrow, Mahomes, Allen. I don't know if he'll get all the way to there, but no matter the case, his play is going to decide how far this team goes. Right, exactly. That's all that really needs to be said.
1: So with that all being said, I'll go first on this one. The outlook in the over-under win total projection for the Browns. We've covered last year. We've covered the offseason. We've covered the most important players. The over-under win total, and I just want to make sure we're on the same page again, was set at nine and a half for the Cleveland Browns team. And when Emmy and I were ranking this quartet of teams, we had a hard time and we went back and forth because I think all these teams that we've talked about so far, the, the giants, the, the Steelers and the Browns are all really, and even our next team are all really kind of like, if things go right, these teams can very well find themselves in the playoffs. Like there's a real chance of that happening. And they could maybe even win a playoff game. But there's just a couple questions here and there that are just holding us back from going, I think, to another level with these teams and ranking them even higher. Because on paper, these rosters, when it's all said and done, are really, really good. Um, The Browns roster, really, really good. The Steelers roster, pretty damn good. I mean, we can go on and on about the little things on paper, but they're just – some minute questions here and there, like Deshaun Watson, and what he's going to look like uh, this upcoming year, that are just why they're ranked where they are. They're kind of in that fringe playoff area. Um, And, you know, we went back and forth between the Browns and the Steers, but ultimately this is how I view it. The Over-under set at 9.5. They won seven games last year. Their schedule, especially to open up, is hell. Um, Cincinnati at Pittsburgh, two division games right off the bat. And if they lose both of those games, which isn't out of the realm of the possibility, they're already digging themselves a hole. I don't think they're going to, but, you know, and I haven't gotten into the depths of going game by game quite yet, but, you know, it doesn't get any easier from there. I mean, Tennessee on a short week, then Baltimore. At least they get a bye. Uh, in week five after that four-game stretch, but it doesn't get any easy after that. San Francisco, at Indy, at Seattle, uh, at Baltimore, Pittsburgh again. Their schedule is brutal. Um, Now, there's no, despite what anyone says, there's no schedule in the NFL that's easy. I mean, you can get an easier schedule um, depending on how things break and your opponents and what divisions you're playing, that sort of thing. But there's no schedule in the NFL that's easy. Like, let's just get that out of the way. All these teams, like, you can be beaten on any given Sunday if you don't bring your A game, flat out, period. Um, So there's no no schedule that's easy. I'll just get straight to the point, though. I like what the Browns did this offseason. They addressed one of their major weaknesses on that defensive line. They have a great pass defense. That was one of their strengths last year. They still have a really good offensive line, although I don't, I'm do not i not sure if it's as dominant as it has been in the past. They have some really good weapons on this offense. I like Kevin Stefanski as a coach. I don't love him, but I like him. Um, I think he has staying power with this organization. And I think it's a good fit. I think we could see uh, Deshaun Watson return to top 10 quarterback level uh, this season, and I, I kind of expect it to happen, mm-hmm. but I still think that could happen and the Browns could still find themselves around the nine win mark. I think that's totally possible given the strength of their schedule, the strength of the AFC, the strength of this division. I think it's totally possible that the Browns and the Steelers both find themselves around the nine and eight mark at the end of the season, both as really good football teams. And depending on how the head-to-head matchups work and the tiebreakers work, one of those teams will make it and one of those teams won't. I think it just makes sense that way. Um, I'm taking the under for the Browns of nine and a half. Not because I don't think they can't get over. Not because I'm being a hater as a Steelers fan and a division rival, but because I just think their schedule's super tough, and I think they could still have a great season and still find themselves at nine wins. It's hard. To get to double-digit wins in today's ASC. It's just a matter of the fact. So I'm not taking the under because, you know, I don't think they're capable or what or whatnot. I just think right now I envision it as these two teams, the Steelers and the Browns, very similar, both good rosters on paper. Um, both have high hopes for what they could achieve in 2023, but there's just a couple questions that have to be answered before we can go a step further and that's where i stand right
0: um and to piggyback off of that these rankings are regardless of schedule regardless of you know of injuries and how obviously we don't know how things are going to bounce obviously in week 17 18 down the line Uh, but these Rankings are really in a vacuum and that's really goes off of your point. Um Now the Browns, man, I, I think I have to agree with you. It's just, um, the AFC is so unbelievably brutal. Um, I think all these teams on the fringe of making the playoffs are just going to beat up on each other. Um, and I think there's going to be three or four teams that miss the playoffs. Three or four teams that are really, really good that miss the playoffs. Yeah. And that's that's kind of disappointing. Uh, but regardless, I think they're a top 13 f- team in football, top 14 team in football, and that's shows in our ranking.
1: Absolutely, no question. All right, that's part one of part two of part two of this <laughs> Uh, season preview. Um, Now we will reveal our last team for this quadrant, um, which will be the Detroit Lions, uh, number 13 on our list, just above the Browns and the Steelers and the Giants, of course. We viewed all four of these teams very similarly, but to get into their 2022 season recap, I don't know why I can't, Keep saying 22. I guess I could. Um, But their season recap from last year uh, you're looking at a nine and eight football team, a team that really caught fire towards the end of the year and could have ended their season on like something crazy, like a seven or eight game winning streak, but had a weird loss mixed in there somewhere. Nine and eight, four and four on the road, five and one in their division. They were actually very, very good against the NFC North for a change. Um, but they did end up barely missing the playoffs. This was a team that, by the end of the, last year's regular season, a lot of fans across the National Football League wanted to see the wanted to see the Lions uh, in the playoffs. I think if you were to ask most uh, after how last year's regular season ended up playing out. Who would they have rather seen in the playoffs, this Lions team or that Seahawks team that made the playoffs? I think more often than not, you would get an answer of the Lions. But that's just me. That's how things played out. The Seahawks ended up giving the Niners a run for their money in some of that playoff game, but that's in the story. They were a really good football team, though. A plus-26-point differential, despite having a losing record in one-score games. Four and five, they were just about 500 there. Two and three in games decided by a field goal or less. And they had some really impressive wins uh, at the Giants, who were a playoff team and actually won a playoff game uh, uh, in week 11, 31 to 18. Uh, They beat the Jaguars at home, who also won a playoff game, uh, 40 to 14 in week 13. And they beat the Vikings, who had a very good regular season, only lost three games, one of which was to the Lions, um, 34 to 23. And those just aren't wins. Those are significant wins. I mean, beating the Giants by 13, beating the Jaguars by 26, beating the Vikings by 11. Uh, This offense was very, very good, led by Jared Goff, who we've talked a lot about in our quarterback bracket. But the defense needed some work. And that's where we're going to get into our three favorite offseason acquisitions for the Lions. And I will let you start us off.
0: Yeah. um, My number three favorite offseason acquisition for the Lions was Jameer Gibbs, their first round pick, um, who they selected 12th overall and surprised many, including me. Um, But watching his rise to grayness at Alabama last year. I mean, it's clear the, it's clear the vision that Detroit had. Um, obviously Dan Campbell's background with the new Orleans, new Orleans saints, the vision that they have for this running back room is Kamara and Ingram. Um, that's why they brought in David Montgomery. And that's why they brought in a extremely versatile runner of the football. And, ability to a guy with the ability to catch passes out of the backfield and really open up the offense from that sense. Um, I think that from that standpoint, it really fits in with what Jared Goff likes to do. He likes to have that dump off available to him as a guy who isn't quite as mobile as a lot of other quarterbacks in the NFL. So if you look at it from that standpoint, I think it's pretty clear what the role is going to be for Jameer Gibbs. Um, whether he lives up to expectations is going to decide whether uh, it's going to be a big part in deciding how just how great this offense can be. And I, I do think they can be really, really good.
1: Yeah. I think people are looking down on Jameer Gibbs just a little bit because of where he was picked. And I don't think that's fair necessarily. Um, that's just the vibe that I get, uh, but I kind of cheated, and for my number three, I went with just the running back edition, running back additions in general. Uh, uh, Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery, I think they complement each other really well. Uh, I think you're going to see Montgomery as a guy who's sort of established himself, kind of know what he is now in the National Football League. It's more of that workhorse back uh, that gets a lump share of the carries, but then you're going to mix in Gibbs as that dynamic speed type back with some more skill. Um, And there's a reason he was taken highly in the draft. It's because he's a very good, goddamn good player. Um, And look, they have all five stars back on what is a very good offensive line. So you incorporate this mix of skill, despite trading away Deandre Swift and losing a very good player in Jamal Williams, uh, I think they're going to have just as good of a running game as they did with those players. Um, If it's not as good, it's still going to be really good. Um, So, and I think it'll make this offense go. Uh, It'll be a part of what is going to be a really good offense, is what I'm meaning to say. Um, So,
0: let's hear your number two. Yeah, my number two was another rookie selection, Sam Laporta, the tight end. Um, you look at what they did last year trading away, uh, Hawkinson. They, they clearly had the vision of seeing this deep tight end class and making the move that way and remaining cheap at that position. Um, and I think he fits into this offense, into this, um, into the mentality of this team extremely well. Um, in terms of what he'll be year one, I mean, rookie tight ends don't have the greatest track record in terms of great production. But um, just stepping in as someone who will block in the run game and make his presence felt there and just be a another target that Jared Goff can go to on third down. I think he'll at the very least be that in year one. For my number two, and I think that's a great pick,
1: I went with another rookie selection, but it wasn't actually Sam Laporta. Uh, Maybe you can guess where I'm going considering how much help the Vikings needed. Not the Vikings. The Lions needed uh, in their secondary. Although the Vikings also needed some help in their secondary. I went with Brian Branch, second-round pick out of Alabama. Um, He might be my favorite player of this Lions draft uh, was was one of my favorite players coming into the draft this year. Uh, His versatility, he played some single high safety at Bama. He played uh, in the box at Bama as sort of a Box safety, linebacker hybrid. He played some slot corner. He played a little bit of everywhere and was just an absolute playmaker beast on that Alabama defense. He's a well-rounded football player that's going to come in, contribute right away. I think he was one of the, for what he is as a player, one of the best pound-for-pound players in the draft period. Um, I'm high on Brian Branch, and I really like his addition to the secondary. There's a theme of what they did in the secondary this off season. And that's, I think add versatility guys who can play in a multi-tutor roles, uh, as you'll see a little later on.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm really high on Brian branch as well. Um, we both pounded the table for him, like as a podcast in our pre-draft coverage. Um, and I considered him, but um they have a lot of depth in that secondary now. And I'm, I, I just kind of, I'm going to have to see where they throw him in. Um, but cause they had a lot of great moves obviously, but, and I think he'll make an impact, but um, we'll, we'll see where they throw him in. I'm interested to see the role they, they have for him. Um, my number two spot, I had Cam Sutton uh, or my number one spot. Sorry, excuse me, Cam Sutton. Um, one of the best, uh, slot corners in football best tackling corners in football in terms of run support you're not going to find a better corner than cam sutton um he's just extremely solid and as you said on our last episode was the best corner hands down for the pittsburgh steelers last year who were a top 10 defense so he's going to be an immediate contributor and you know Getting Cam Sutton was what allowed them to move off of Jeff Okuda, their former – was it second overall pick a few years ago? um, And have the confidence to be able to do that. But, um, yeah, they're they're solidified at that corner spot. I like what they did. Yeah, and
1: look, Cam Sutton was my number one as well. Uh, And I'll talk about him a little bit. But they also – we can't just forget about the fact that they added – CJ Gardner Johnson, as well to the secondary, is a guy who can you can move around a little bit and was really solid last or has been really solid the past couple of years. But I'll talk about Cam Sutton. I was not happy. I won't say mad because what ended up happening worked out well for Pittsburgh. Um, but look, man, Cam Sutton by you know. Middle of last season was probably on my top five favorite Steelers lists for that team last year. He was just solid, and I think right now, getting him at 11 million dollars per year, I think he's one of the most underrated cornerbacks in the NFL. Period. Um, for what he does, he a lot of people really don't know, but. He played some boundary corner and some slot corner in Pittsburgh and was really good at both. He's not spectacular in any sense of the world. Uh, he's not going to wow you, but he's just really solid, really smart, intuitive, instinctive football player. Good ball skills. Not He's not exceptional in any one skill, but he's really good in all the major skills that you need as a solid corner in today's league. Uh, the one area that you can kind of get on him, is his uh, speed. He can get beat by some faster guys, but uh, five interceptions the past few years speaks for itself. He's coming off a career high year in interceptions three last year, uh, eight pass breakups, uh, and only allowed 57% of his targets that came his way to be completed. So, really good corner. But, you know, CJ Gardner Johnson's up there, Brian Branch is up there. They did a lot in the secondary. We'll just have to see where the roles fall. I'm interested to see how that works out for Detroit. Um, But they went out and they addressed the talent deficit in that secondary. There's no doubt about that. So, uh, But that will move on to our three most important players for the Lions in
0: 2023. Let's hear your number three first. At number three, I had Kirby Joseph. I went in a little bit of a different direction. And a lot of people don't know that name, but if you if you remember, he was the one who picked off Aaron Rodgers twice in that last game of the season for the Lions in that big win in Lambeau Field. Um, I believe it was Aaron Rodgers' last pass as a Packer, I believe. Um, that was his second pick of the day on Rodgers. And he also picked off Rodgers in their earlier matchup in Detroit. So... Um, I mean, this dude is extremely underrated. Um, I like comparing him a lot to like a young Kevin Bayard uh, from the Tennessee Titans. I think that's the type of player that he is. I think um, now going into year three of his career, I think he can really take a step forward in terms of being that. It's really just all about uh, consistent- consistency now for him because he already has all of the splash plays yeah
1: they have so much versatility in the secondary kirby joseph tracy walker uh, is also back at that safety spot cj gardner johnson could play some safety if you wanted him to so could brian branch cam sutton at corner the list goes on and on they also drafted emmanuel mosley who we haven't even mentioned yet um so man they actually did some work there but uh my number three i went with aiden hutchinson um, he is absolutely important to this team. Nine and a half sacks last year, a very productive rookie. Year. He came in as advertised, three interceptions, made some splash plays. Uh, but he is going to be relied upon uh, when you're talking about this Vikings defensive line and what they're going to do from pass rush standpoint. Last year, they finished with 39 sacks. Hutchinson was a big part of that. Um, I'm not exactly sure what else they did on the on the free agent front. Uh, but um, in terms of pass from a pass rushing standpoint, uh, but I absolutely think Aiden Hutchinson, the number one pick of last year's draft, will be a big part of this team moving forward, especially this season.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um for my number two, um, I went with Jared Goff. Uh, I, I think he's one of those guys that going into last year, um, probably there was just an entirely different outlook on him than there was at the end of last year. And that's just all a credit to him and his work ethic. Um, I think a lot of people late in those L.A. days kind of questioned his ability to improve as a quarterback. Um, and I think maybe going to Detroit was the wake-up call they needed because clearly there were things that he improved in his game, just in his ability to just pull the trigger in the middle of the field into tight windows. Um, that was something that I didn't see enough in L.A., and he did on a consistent basis last year. And if the Detroit Lions want to go to where they want to go um, and win playoff games and win games on the road and and, you know, primetime atmospheres, Jared Goff is going to have to deliver. And um, I think he will, but come playoff time, you never really know until you see it.
1: Yeah, for my number two, I'll just do my number two and number one. I guess you could go really in either order, but for my number two, I'm obviously really high on Amon Ross St. Brown. And considering that, I think it's Jamison Williams who's suspended for the first eight, six or eight games of the season, I don't remember exactly how many. Uh, I think he's on the verge of like fringe stardom at the receiver position. Uh, working really hard in training camp. Um, I, I'm just really high on what he does, his versatility, what he's been as a receiver the past couple of years for the Detroit Lions, driving this offense as. Jared Goff's number one target the past couple of years along with TJ Hawkinson, but obviously they ended up trading him away. Um, and I think once Jamison Williams is implemented back into this offense, he'll only be even better. And then Jared Goff, number one uh, coming off his best year since really 2018. And we've talked about it in our quarterback bracket episodes. Um, 4,438 yards, 29 touchdowns, only seven interceptions. And when you look at the Lions offense, which was really good, uh, they were six best in EPA per play and golf ranked third best in EPA per dropback. He was really a top 10 quarterback last year in every single category that you look at. Um, and if he's not top 10, he's top 12. Um, so I think there's under this offense and what they have with offensive coordinator. um, Gosh, what is his name? He's really, really good.
0: Ben Jones? Yes.
1: It 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 might be Ben Jones. Something along those lines. Forgive us if we get that wrong. Uh, Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson. There we go. Um, I think golf is going to continue to be a really solid guy for the Lions. Um, So now the question then becomes how high – Can the trains, you know, how high can the plane soar with Jared Goff as your quarterback? But, uh, you know, he's really, really good. He'll get you to the playoffs. And if you surround him with the right talent, he can even maybe get you to a Super Bowl. Maybe.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, And like I said, I mean, going into last year, I mean, people were ready to ride off the dude. Um, and especially when they started off one and four or one and five, whatever they were, um, yeah. people were already just off the golf train completely, ready to fill in whatever rookie quarterback into that role. And then things really started to come around. At my number one, um, I had Aiden Hutchinson. Um, I think the one question I had about the Detroit lions off season was as high as I am on Jameer Gibbs. Um, I really do think the question lies in, could they have gotten a more impactful position at that 12 pick spot, um, particularly a pass rusher opposite of Aiden Hutchinson. Um, and I think, Maybe they saw someone in-house and were like, we're good on that. But I really do think if they had said, we're going to trade up for Tyree Wilson or we're going to go ahead and draft a Brian Brzee or a Lucas Van Ness or someone of that nature, I really do think people will be looking at the Lions that much higher um, going into the season. Um, Just because... They, they're putting so much on the shoulders of Aiden Hutchinson in terms of pass rush. Um, Isaiah Bugs is great, um, but I just don't know if he's the high-production 10-sack guys that maybe they see him as, um, and even Aleem McNeil as well. Um, those are two guys on the interior of their defensive line who are really, really good, but in terms of an opposite-edge rusher to complement Aiden Hutchinson, it's really not there at the moment. Yeah, it's it's
1: questionable for sure. But when you look at what they did last year, um, and I have to look deeper into who they lost in free agency, they still found a way to – now, given not all sacks are created equal, got to get that out of the way, but they still had a middle-ish of the pack pass rush. And I think with the improved secondary – Things could balance themselves out there. I think regardless, you're right. They are putting a whole lot on Aiden Hutchinson, uh, and that's why he's on the list. And I probably should have him higher than I do. Um, but it would be nice to have uh, another like proven pass rusher on the opposite side, which they don't have, and that's a fair question. Uh, but they still found their way to being – a somewhat effective pass rush last season. But you're absolutely right. I mean, I think if they got a guy like, I don't know, um, even like a Justin Houston, who I believe just signed uh, somewhere else, I think in Carolina, Panthers. or like a veteran guy like that, maybe not a Justin Houston, but someone along those lines, teams would be looking at them in a little bit of different light. Uh, Not that they're not looking at the Lions in a positive light going into this year. And that's where we transition into our season outlook and our over-under win total projection. The win total, finally, for the Detroit Lions is set at 9.5. There are some high expectations for this team going into this year in a division that change this off season. Let's just be honest. The biggest of which being that the green Bay Packers no longer have Aaron Rodgers. the owner of the Detroit lions for the past 15 years is now gone. Um, so uh, with that being said, what do you envision for the lions in 2023? And are you picking over or under nine and a half?
0: I think for one, I think this, Division is going to be extremely interesting. Um, I think the division battle between them and the Vikings is going to be extremely close. Um, Obviously the Vikings were the team we had uh, addressed in part one of this series, but I really don't think the gap between those two teams are, is, is really that big. Um, It's, it's there. I do think Detroit has the better roster, um, but the the division battle there is going to be very interesting um in terms of their win total i lean the over but it's the lions at the end of the day um they got to they got to go out and do it um i mean even with everything that went wrong defensively last year they got to 9 wins and obviously you can't equate that last year's schedule this year's schedule all that type of stuff it's not the same not the same team but I mean, all of the improvements they made. I just, it's hard for me to see a scenario where they don't reach 10 wins with everything they did to this team outside of just catastrophic injury and just tomfoolery at the highest degree. I i just, I don't see them, I don't see them not getting to 10 wins.
1: Yeah, I'm... I'm on the same wavelength as you on this one. Um, um, now, I'm not at like a 90 or 100% confidence level in picking the over. Mm-hmm. I'm probably more at a – I'm above 50% for sure. Like I'm a. I'm not on the fence. Like 65-70. Uh, 65-70-ish 65, 65, percent. Like I'm fairly confident that they are going to get to 10 wins. The schedule, it's not easy by any stretch of the imagination, but – I've certainly seen just flat out in the eight teams that we've discussed so far, harder schedules than the Detroit Lions have. Uh, I, I just went through it. I think there are absolutely 10 winnable games on this schedule. The Lions, when you really look at it, had a very simple formula. And this formula pretty much can work for all teams. But when you really look at what the Lions boiled down to last year, they were nine and one in games where they won the turnover battle, and I guess that equates to zero and seven when they didn't win the turnover battle. Um, and I think with an improved secondary and an improved defense, improved talent on the defense overall, that I think will create some more turnovers just naturally. With Aiden Hutchinson going into year two, with Dan Campbell and the aggressive style play that they like to play, and with this what should be a pretty explosive offense with a smart offensive coordinator uh, and Jared Goff playing at a top 12 quarterback level, they can win 10 games. Now, if they were in the AFC, I, I'm not sure how this would, this conversation would go. Uh, But they're in the NFC, and it sets up pretty well for them. I think they can win their division. Um, I'm not going to make any declarations right now. I think the Vikings and the Lions are pretty close. Um, They'll be pretty close when it's all said and done, as I think the Vikings will pull back a little bit in their win total, and the Lions will maybe take a step up. I think they'll both be sitting around the maybe 10, 11 win range, uh, sort of like I think the Browns and the Steelers will be neck and neck really uh but maybe in a different segment of their division. Um I think the Lions, given all those reasons, can absolutely get to 10 wins, and that's the reason I'm taking the over. But it's not it's not a hundred percent, but it's definitely more than fifty percent.
0: Confidence. Yeah, definitely. Um okay, that's gonna do it for part two of part two of this uh top 20 power ranking series. This NFL preview for 2023. Um, thanks for watching, listening. Um, and before we sound off, I just want to say, I've been thinking a lot about what I want for this podcast. And I think more than anything, um, I want it to be a ov- open conversation. I want to have like a, a discord server where we just talk sports. Um, Cause that's at the root of all this. I mean, really, we're just two guys who are just nerds about every sport that we talk about. Um, and at the end of the day, we want to open up the conversation to y'all and we want to hear y'all in the com in the comment section. Um, in the in really anywhere, any sphere you want to reach out to the us. Uh, we welcome that. Um, so Yeah,
1: make sure you like, subscribe, give us all your feedback. And we're definitely, I mean, I, just to give you a little behind the scenes, we're always talking about ways we can improve. How are we going to innovate to get to the next level? We're always thinking of those things, but we really appreciate if you guys could help us along the way. It's, we have busy schedules, we're doing our best, uh, but we don't always think of, the great ideas that maybe you guys can bring us so if you could bring us that we will give you a favor in return by bringing you the great content that we've already brought you but even better content and more often content all right uh, so uh it's a busy august i have a couple things i want to a couple little announcements i want to make before the sign off number one there's no real football on for another two weeks in terms of regular season football. College football returns in about two and a half weeks. The NFL regular season won't start till early September. We've got a couple more weeks to go. But there is preseason football on. In addition to all that, as we're about one hour from midnight on in the central time zone, which we are both in right now, uh, despite there really being no meaningful football on, There are things to watch. And I kind of want to end every episode from now on by giving you guys some other sports content recommendations, whether that be, you know, TV series or articles to read or things to go look at. Um, Just because, I mean, you have other interests. You have other interests than just our podcast, most likely. Uh, And I'm pretty plugged into everything when it comes to this type of stuff so um at midnight netflix this has been a big story the past couple weeks they are debuting the johnny manzel documentary uh, told by the man himself one of the biggest what if type stories in sports period i think of the past 15 years He's the narrator in the documentary. It's called Untold Johnny Football. And it debuts on Netflix here in about an hour. Um, Goes through his life at Texas A&M, winning the Heisman. And then all the issues that unfolded after that. Drug abuse. Almost committing suicide. uh, And it's told by Johnny Manziel himself. So there's none of this like fabrication. Oh, this might be true. This might not be true. It was made by a third party. No. Johnny Menzel opens up in the podcast, or not in the podcast, the documentary. Um, and if you haven't seen the trailer for it, go watch it before it comes out. I really recommend going to watch that. I'll be watching that tomorrow. Because just imagine the conversations. It's going to open up between Texas fans who see those little tidbits and A&M fans as they've already been chirping at each other ever since Texas announced they were joining the SEC. It's just going to be even that more fun on Twitter. Um, yeah. Then there's also, if you're into this type of thing, Hard Knocks will debut at midnight uh, with the New York Jets. A lot of people are interested to see what that looks like, considering that Aaron Rodgers and many others have openly said they don't want Hard Knocks, uh, but they're getting Hard Knocks. Uh, and if you're familiar with Hard Knocks, uh, considering all the new factors to the New York Jets, one of the more intriguing teams going into this season, uh People are interested to watch that, and I'll probably watch it at some point. It might not be immediately, Uh, but if you're into that type of thing, that comes out at midnight. Another thing, Winning Time, the docudrama that I've talked about before on this podcast, if you haven't seen season one, go watch it. It's on HBO. The docudrama about the 1980s Lakers dynasty uh, that was absolutely fantastic in season one, it debuted today. On HBO for season two. Um, That's out. So there's no. And many other things. The Steph Curry documentary on Apple TV. Although I know not a lot of people have Apple TV. uh, I haven't watched it yet. But I really want to. There's no shortage of sports content. For me to recommend to you guys. uh, While we ramp up to actual football. Actual meaningful football. And then lastly. Before we sign off. um, I've been. The past week or two, I've been deep in prep and preparing the next, like, four to five uh, Dithole episodes for you guys. And as we get around two weeks, three weeks from the Longhorns kicking off their season, uh, we've got a lot to discuss. There's going to be two Dithole episodes this week. Uh, I just don't know when they will come. And there's been some craziness in college football lately that we'll have to discuss. It won't just be all Longhorn talk. So keep an eye out for that. We'll have two more episodes this week on our main feed. One of which will be a college football preview. And When you want to talk about nerding out on a particular sport, I have been nerding out <laughs> on college football. Um, so I'm excited for that. But with all that being said, just like the chances of you not having content to listen to, On the Raw Prospect Podcast feed, we are going, going,
0: going. Peace out. Peace out.